Before we start this week's podcast, we'd like to encourage our listeners to consider donating to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. It's a nonprofit organization that fights for racial justice. Through litigation, advocacy, and public education, they seek structural changes to expand democracy, eliminate disparities, and achieve racial justice in a society that fulfills the promise of equality for all Americans. Visit www.naacpldf.org to donate to an incredibly important cause. Welcome back to the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. Uh, your host, Dustin Lunt, here. I uh, hope everyone's enjoyed the early part of their week so far. Uh, we are recording on Tuesday as normal, uh, so it's early for us here. Uh, hope we're all surviving well here, going into week 15 of the NFL. But first, got to introduce my co-host, Jacob Trowbridge. How are you doing, sir? That sounded so... So official, you said Jacob, and I'm not used to hearing that second syllable on the name, and it threw me for a loop there for a second, but I am doing fantastic, Dustin. How are you tonight? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I am happy to be here. Uh, Tuesday night podcasting is my favorite night of the middle of the week here, uh, knowing that I have to continue working, so this is always the highlight of my week. Joining us this week, we have a very special guest, Chris Allen. Chris, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. Uh, I know if you had asked me probably that same question about maybe a month ago, I'd have been like, God, I can't wait for the season to be over. Because like you hit that, you hit that lull like like towards the like it's not the middle of the season, it's not the end of the season, but you're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's just the grind of season content that making is just just where, that's where it hits you. But now in like weeks 14 and 15, especially after last night's game, I'm just happy to be like we're still watching football. I'm excited about the holidays that are coming around here within the next week or so. So I'm 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 pretty amped. Uh, despite like if again on any other Tuesday, I'd have been like, gosh, I'm just waiting for the end of the season. But it's good. This is yeah. the start of like mile 22 for a marathon runner. Yeah, where exactly. It's, you're almost there. You can see it. I, I'm I'm assuming. I was I'm gonna say, a, Jake, a you're saying this like you have experience, but <laughs> we we all know that's bullshit. You've never come close to running a marathon. <laughs> It's true, but I've watched some people do it, and it looks very difficult. Uh, I don't even want to try that. <laughs> it is. From experience, it is. So, so Jake, you are spot on there. We've got a great episode this evening. We are going to be squashing some beefs tonight for our sunny and Philadelphia fans. You all know what that is. But we are talking about some players here that we've given up on but have redeemed themselves and started to be fantasy-relevant players. So we're forgiving them for their past transgressions. We're on board moving forward here. But before we get into that, Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where where people can find you, what you're about, things like that. Sure. Uh, you can find me uh, in quite a few places, actually. Uh, you can find I write primarily over at 4-4 Football. I do the quarterback streaming analysis over there. And then especially over during the offseason, um, I take on the role of di- director of best ball, uh, where I, I really dig into some of the, the trends and analysis that goes into 
uh, best ball strategies, like whether it just be your typical like 12 team, uh, 12 team type of format. And we've also started looking at into tournament strategy now that multiple platforms like Underdog and uh, even DraftKings have started putting out some of their tournaments uh, this past season. Uh, so I, I do a lot more of my offseason research and most of my uh, most of my work over there. But I also do I also contribute uh, over at uh, DLF, uh, do some dynasty stuff over there uh, with uh, with my buddy um, Adam Wilby. Um, I do some work for Numberfire uh, every week. I do some weather analysis uh, over there because that's uh, my Twitter handle at Chris Allen FFWX. The WX portion is for weather, and that's where a lot of people have come to know me over the past few years. Is that's my kind of like my niche thing that I do uh, in the industry. And then, of course, um, I'm over at Roto World as well, uh, working with the the fellows over there, Hayden Links, uh, Roto Pat, uh, Mr. Josh Norris himself, uh, doing some uh, doing some just uh, like weekly reviews and of the of the Thursday night football. So the week my schedule is hectic typically, and so like I said, um, I'm ready for the season to be over, but still just so much information, so much analysis still to be done up, about the season. So, but yeah, that's where you can find me at. I'm I'm around the industry, uh, pretty much everywhere you can find me. That is literally mm-hmm. true, folks. Chris <laughs> Allen is the visa of fantasy football analysts. He is everywhere you want want to be so yes, sir. check out all of the things that he's doing and no wonder you're exhausted man <laughs> yeah, no doubt. in the season it feels like i mean th- this is really i mean a part-time job that feels like a full-time job i mean I, but uh i again i love it i mean the folks that i mean just even sitting down talking with you i mean it's still one of those things where the community is what kind of gives us energy right i mean when you get to sit down and talk with folks like yourself I mean, sitting down and talking with, again, like I mentioned, uh, Hayden Winks, John Daigle over at uh, Roto World, uh, Denny Carter, like every now and again, JJ Zacharyson. Um, I've had phone calls with Evan Silva like and uh, Mike Leone and uh, Drew Dinkmeyer like over at ETR. I mean, it's just you get a, you get to it's like so many faces, so many perspectives and so much insight from so many talented people in this community. Being able to work uh, for various sites has been it's been really humbling because you get to learn so much like while you're still getting to contribute to some of these places. So it really is an honor to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, mm-hmm. aside from that, the one thing that I added to the show sheet, Dustin, uh, you and Chris have something in common, which I find fascinating. And we're a drinking podcast, so I had to make sure to call this out because <laughs> I saw right in your Twitter profile that you are also into homebrewing. So yes, both sir. Dustin and Chris, you guys are into homebrewing, and I've never met two people on this podcast <laughs> together who are into that. And I love oh, it. let's do, well forget all that football. Stuff. <laughs> Let, let's talk about let's talk about that instead. I forget the show sheet. Let's talk about homebrewing, man. Throw it out. Yeah, I'd be down with that. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. So, so how long with, have you been homebrewing? Uh, ooh, about uh, just about ten years now. Uh, I still do just the tra- yeah. yeah. I do just the traditional cooler mash ton uh single boil kettle nothing too fancy okay i am very much of the dyi uh, yeah i got the um mash and boil so an electric system i just picked that up um not uh a year i know two years ago and um i i find it it's been so convenient just to be able to not have to worry about um you know if you brew outside like in the like in the winter time it affecting your efficiency because I, I live in Ohio. Not even matter to me, man. Brewing that Dustin does home brew so <laughs> so often, and the fact that he lives right next to me, therefore I get to sample all of his great beers that uh, that he comes. Oh, up I'm with. so jealous! It's like having a friend 
who has boat. You don't have to have the boat. You just have to know the person with the boat, and then all of the wonderful things. So and that's yeah, how you I get to, you get to reap. That's the best part. <laughs> I caught what you were saying about uh, brewing in Ohio. We're from Wisconsin here, so we face, or I face, the similar weather as you. Where, oh. um, yeah, usually about this time of year, I'm done brewing. I'm going to try to squeak a couple more last brew days in here uh, over my winter break from work. I have the next two weeks off, so I'm going to try to sneak a couple if the weather warms up decently enough, where I'm not going to freeze my ass off. But other than that, yeah, I'm pretty well done for yeah. the year here too. So. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. I know Jake comes over, watches me uh, do all the work, and he sits back and uh, drinks beer. <laughs> so it's a good time. I, I really enjoy it. And it's beer. It's a hobby that gives back to you. Unlike unlike other hobbies where you're spending money like golfing or something, exactly. you got to spend money on clubs and you lose balls and whatnot. It's like, no, I get beer back. Like, it's, it's the best hobby. Yeah. I mean, for what, maybe four or five hours of work, maybe tack on an extra hour for like sanitizing and whatnot. I mean, you wind up with conceivably, I mean, theoretically, you're winding up with five gallons of beer that you're going to wind up drinking for the next you know, couple of months or so. Share it with some friends. Um, if you, I don't know if, if you're into it, Dustin. I mean, I, I've gone to a couple of competitions, uh, like a few local ones. Uh, it's where, that's where you get to meet other nerds that are into, into home brewing. And like, while as enthusiastic as I am about it, I mean, man, I mean, you go to a brewing competition you will meet some people that they they dig into the chemistry involved in homebrewing. I mean, folks that will uh, that will debate water profiles and oh, like wow. I, mean, I mean specific temperatures that you need for yeast and uh, and even like uh, fermentation profiles in terms of temperature depending on what style you're brewing. I mean, you can really I mean depending on how deep you want to go down that rabbit hole. I mean, you can do it. I mean, but for me, it's just I, I, I like drinking beer, obviously. But it's, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's also the social aspect of it too, where you mm-hmm. can, can you can go back and forth with people that are that are really into it. And like again, this is not uh, not because I'm like super vain or anything like that. But like the, the the metals that you see like hanging right behind me, these are from like brewing competitions. They just happen. This happens to be a spot nice. in my office where I can hang them. <laughs> it's not so that they can be on camera all the time. Oh come on, you put them up it there special not, just there. for us. No, no, no. <laughs> I've had them there. I they just happen to be there. But I mean, but that's that's part of the fun, right? Going into competitions mm-hmm. and like meeting other home brewers and then just like and also getting feedback, right? Because there's so much. About, about your process that goes into home brewing. Same thing when we talk about process when it comes to fantasy football, hot like that tie in. But I mean, it, we always harp on that. And with home brewing, if you have your process down correctly, you're hitting your efficiency numbers, you're getting to the proper ABV or trying to get the right flavor profile. I mean, you wind up with a good product and other people will give you that information back. So very similar to what we do in fantasy football. I mean, you can see you can see the same results or similar results if you adhere to good processes when it comes to home brewing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I Matt, love that tie-in. That, I say that was so smooth. I love that. <laughs> now, I I was going to say, I feel like the, those homebrew competitions have a little bit of a flavor of if you would go to a fantasy football industry event as they have there. There are some of those. I know there was one in Chicago last year. I did not mm-hmm. get to, but I'd imagine there's a little bit of overlap. As you said, maybe the uh, uh, the most dedicated of all the folks that show up and are therefore the most passionate about it. So, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think uh, I went to the um, fantasy football. Was it the, oh, oh my goodness. I cannot remember what the name it was. But it was hosted by Bob Lung 
up at the um, the Fantasy Football Hall, or not Fantasy Football Hall of Fame, but the Football Hall of Fame up in Canton, since just a few hours away. Got to meet some, I mean, a lot of the folks that were uh, were in the DM thread with, I mean, uh, who was it? J. Mike was there, Shane was there, Sipes was there. I mean, there were just, I mean, so many good folks. Again, and being able to meet face-to-face with some of the people you talk to almost on a daily basis, talk shop. I mean, just get to know them a little bit more than what we just, the tidbits we share uh, once we're like once we're online, but again, it's all about that community. It's all about being able to converse with e- with each other as we would want to. I mean, since we spend so much time together online, absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. That's that's cool. I feel I feel cool just being able to be on the outside of of uh, beer nerddom, as it were, <laughs> and fantasy football nerddom makes me feel the exact same way. <laughs> so I, I love it. All right, so. To continue the beer talk here, should we get into what we're drinking this evening? Let's do it. Absolutely. All right, Jake, what are you drinking? Chris, what are you drinking tonight? Okay. I want. I want to hear. I want to hear from Chris though. Yeah. I, now I saw you had all those lovely beers. Now sitting behind you, but I didn't mm-hmm. find out from you earlier that that's re- it's really like you kind of get these really cool cans because oh, you're yeah. a big fan of the can art, right? Oh, oh yeah, I mean it could be absolute. I mean just dog piss in the can. If you've got good <laughs> can art, I will buy at least one six pack of what you have. I could absolutely hate it, but your can will wind up on that shelf behind me. Uh, but yeah, that's I'm, I'm sucked for can art. Uh, actually, uh, what is it? Um, the brewery out in, in uh, Three Floyds um, out in uh, Muncie, mm-hmm. Indiana, if I'm remembering the town name correctly. Uh, but I mean, they're, the art on their most of their cans is just like, I want that one. I want that one. I think I've got two actually sitting on the shelf behind me from, uh, from Three Floyds. Uh, but uh, this one that I'm drinking is uh, one that I made. It was actually, um, it, was, it was a hazy, but I've had it in the keg for, it's been over two months now so most of the haze is absolutely gone now because it's been sitting there it's absolutely clear but the flavor is still pretty decent um so it's a little fruity um it's got some uh some tropical notes to it as well so uh i prefer that's typically my style um i normally i normally brew like new england ipas hazy ipas like somewhat something in that range uh, it's just my personal preference uh but just like dustin i'm trying to sneak in um, another brew day here shortly. I'm going to try and do one on Saturday. I've got a recipe for uh, a winter warmer since it's kind of tis the season oh, uh, nice. to do that and do something like that where it's a little malty, a little sweet. Uh, so I think that'd be a good beer to kind of sit down and you know binge watch a few TV shows while I'm off for the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Heck yes. Yeah, Dustin, absolutely. you are making a winter warmer, in fact. Talk about good timing here. Mm. <laughs> something, something, something great minds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, I just um, I just got in the kegs a little while ago and I've had it aging. I did uh, Imperial Stout. And then what I did is I split mm. it off and I did half with coffee and vanilla on bourbon chips. And then the other half I did uh, ch- with cherries. So it's a cherry stout, uh, which that okay. one I'm really excited for. And you can't go wrong drinking a See, now, 10% now beer. Either. Yeah, we need we need to like we need to send growlers back and forth to figure out some sort of you oh, know, brew share or something. Absolutely, like that. I'm I'm all for that. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're gonna figure this out. We're yeah. making things happening, and yes. I love that you mentioned about New England IPAs being one of your tops because Dustin and I have both had difficulties getting into IPAs initially, hmm. and New England hazy or CIPAs for me. I don't, I'm not smart enough to know all of the distinctions there, but I know they all have similarities. And those are the ones that I can get on board with. 
Um, now I am not drinking IPA tonight. I've gone. I've gone much darker for tonight's because it's winter, and this is to get some of these really thick guys going. This is actually one twofold reasoning here for why I'm drinking this tonight. One, because of the aforementioned uh, can art that you're a fan of. I love this can art. It's Ooh. ugly sweater weather. It's literally made to look like an ugly sweater. I love um, it. It's fantastic. This was gifted to me actually by Dustin this weekend. So uh had to get this rocked out here. It's an Imperial is that a local brewery? This is from the Fermentorium. Um, so this is actually from... Where is this from, Dustin? This is in... You have the can. Uh, oh, Cedarburg, Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so hidden here, but it is a Wisconsin beer. Not super okay. close to us, but mm -hmm. it, it's local-ish. Mm -hmm. um, but it's an Imperial Milk Stout with vanilla, black tea, raisins, figs, and black currants. A lot of things happening wow. with this beer. Yeah. Okay. But it's tasty. Yeah. Dustin, what do you got? I am drinking somewhat local as well. I'm drinking out of Titletown Brewing in Green Bay. Uh, very appropriate since our Green Bay Packers clinched the division uh, again. Uh, I'm drinking their Number Dark one, Helmet. Uh, it is their <laughs> Schwartz beer, uh, which is a very underrated style. I love it whenever I can get my hands on a good one. And this one is just very delightful. It's I love Schwartz beer because I'm a big a freaking nerd and I love these spots and there's a big whole thing about Schwartz. I don't know if that's ever how this beer got its name, but I like to think that it is. <laughs> I would like to think that yeah. too, but I mean, yeah, salute to Mel Brooks. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. One, one for my guy. <laughs> <laughs> so Dustin, do we want to get into our drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 drunk trade of the week. Absolutely. Hit us up, Jake. This came, I never grew up talk about it, uh, maybe because it hit close to home. I wasn't sure, so I had to get the, the A-OK -okay here. This one comes in from Reddit user Papa Willie. We have a fresh batch of submissions to work with here. Um, so Papa Willie says, me and a guy drunk traded at the bar one time. As you, he's a Raiders fan. I'm a Packers fan. So, of course, we're going to talk about this on our podcast as a couple of unabashed Packers homers. But he says it's a keeper league, and this was done in the offseason, the year that Antonio Brown went to the Raiders. I gave him Antonio Brown, and he gave me Devontae Adams. That one worked out, he says. And I would say I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> but put yourself back into the mindset of when this trade happened, I think a lot of us were excited about what could happen when Antonio Brown initially went to the race. Not, of course, once it got deep in there, um, we know how it all went. But, but leading up to that, if you look at this trade, and again, I know it's hard to put ourselves back in that mind. The way that I look at it is what was the range of outcomes for either of them? Assuming everything had gone right, I mean, you're still talking about uh, Antonio Brown being connected to connected to Derek Carr, um, an offense that, like, while we think that they'd be able to put up points, especially considering that they were they would need to put up points in a division that was going to be featuring, I mean, Patrick Mahomes for one. I mean, and we'll see what the rest of the division was going to shape up to be. But at least we thought that the Chargers would be a decent offense, like going into that season. Um, but he would be attached to Derek Carr, while 
Devontae Adams would still be attached to Aaron Rodgers. So the delta in quarterback play, I think at least would be enough to, you know, I mean, for me to kind of, uh, to, for me to wrinkle my nose at it, but then also a projectable target share. I mean, we're, we're looking at Devontae Adams, who was coming, who was already coming off of a, a decent season who, where he was ascending in target share. I mean, somewhere between 27 and 29%, like on the, on his own team. And we didn't see much in terms of the, the Packers adding more wide receivers or so even if we assume that he is Antonio Brown, I mean, even still that seemed kind of shaky to me because he wasn't going to be a target hog, a target hog within his offense. Just considering the rest of the pieces around him, he might be good. I mean, a twenty to twenty-five percent target share, but I don't think he was going to ever compare. Hide our Packers yeah. fandom here at all. Uh, but it <laughs> is nice to get somebody who's not come in and say that exact same thing. So. I feel bad. This is this is probably why uh, the other guy drunk trade. But this is also why you do drunk trade if you're the guy who made the submission. Because sometimes right. you get things like this. It's probably I have to pay out. Because I would need to see his face if he was the one paying it out here. Uh, but just to recap for our, our listeners who were not with us last week, our guest from last week, Chase. This is just to prep you here, Chris. If you want to get involved in one at the end, you're welcome to. So get... Get it, get it in your head whether you do or, or, or don't, you know, whether you're ready to take this on after okay. seeing this. But uh, <laughs> we chose Philip Rivers and Dustin took Derek Carr. Derek Carr finished the week with 25.8 fantasy points. Philip Rivers finished with 17.7. So that one was not particularly close for us. And therefore, I will be paying out. Uh, Dustin, do you want to take a second gloat? You can. Oh, I do. Um, you know, it, it's tough being this good. Um, I know, I know, I went on a little bit of a losing streak there a couple weeks in a row, but the cream always rises to the top in the end. So, uh, Jake, I'm just waiting to hear those glorious words out of your mouth. The cream always rises <laughs> to the top. Hey, that's why I'm drinking coffee cream liqueur for a nice smooth shot to pay this one off. It'll go down. It'll help me choke down these words that I'm about to say. <laughs> Dustin, you are a fantastic and brilliant fantasy football prognosticator slash genius. Kudos to you, sir. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that was actually really pleasant. So I feel like we're both winners after that, honestly. All right. We did it. We've taken care of our of our business, but now we have to get into some actual fantasy football discussion here. Dustin, do you want to uh, run us through this brief injury update here? Yeah, I'll take us through the injuries here quickly. Um, it doesn't sound like any of these are overly serious. Players might miss this next week, so definitely keep uh, your eyes open. Uh, but we got Matt Stafford. I know he had a rib injury. Uh Devante Parker, Jakeem Grant, both of the Dolphins, um, they had, I believe it was hamstring injuries, if I'm remembering this correctly. Uh, Mike Gusecki, looks like he is going to miss this week, so definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, Debo Samuel with a hamstring, uh, not sure if he's been ruled out yet or not, but keep your eyes open. Alex Smith, lower leg injury. When I saw that, I got a little worried. It was like deja vu all over again. Thankfully, it doesn't appear serious, so... Um, 
stay strong, Alex. And then, uh, not that this one is necessarily hugely fantasy relevant, but it could be here going into week 15. Brandon Allen uh, did leave the game, but doesn't look like it was too serious. Anything either of you want to add about those injuries? Lynn Bowden's interesting. That's what I'll add. Mm -hmm. Lynn Bowden's interesting for this week if uh, he hasn't already been scooped off of waivers then I'd be, you know, if you have any dollars left, if you're a fab system or whatever, just throw it all on him for this week, basically. Yep. And then uh, Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver one this week. Ooh, I like it. I like it a lot. All right. So do I. (laughs) Well, before we get into the, the meat of the episode, the beef of the episode, if you will, this week's episode of DTFF is brought to you by Monkey Knife Fights. They are a daily fantasy sports gaming website for casual sports fans. They're simple, fun, easy to play. It's Look, it's so simple. They're daily fantasy prop games, uh, similar to salary cap-based DFS games, uh, but without the algorithms, lineups, and most importantly, sharks. So this is simple as choosing more or less for a specific contest line or group of lines that you get. And if you choose the right one, you get money. It is as simple as that. You can start off now with a 100% instant match bonus up to $50 if you use promo code DTFF. The Dustin. All right. Thank you, Jake. Definitely check them out. They are a lot of fun. Uh, I put uh, bets down pretty much every week here uh, during the football season, and it just adds a little something, a little extra spice to the to the week uh, for football. So definitely check them out. Uh, we love having them as a sponsor. So uh, on to the heart of the episode here, squashing some beefs. So as I said at the top of the show here, these are players that we've given up on, left them for dead, Lots of anger towards them for failing us and breaking our hearts uh, for fantasy-related play. But they've redeemed themselves for this year, and now we're forgiving them. So, Chris, lay us with your player. So, my my player is Josh Allen. And for all of the Bills Mafia folks that are listening to us, I'm, I'm, I'm on the wagon, man. I'm on the wagon. I'm ready to hop through... Uh, a burning table with all the rest of you crazy people that are out there uh, doing your you know pregame antics. I'm I'm in. I'm in on it. Uh, but I mean, look at I mean, if we looked at uh, Josh Allen's 2019 season objectively, I mean, it'd be we'd be hard pressed to believe that this was going to be a guy that could do such a complete 180. I mean, he's still like the quarterback five like on this season. But the thing that's remarkable is that it's just in how he's done it. I mean, if Give credit to Brian Dable, Sean McDermott. I mean, pretty much that entire offensive staff in terms of, I guess, taking him to the next level in terms of working with him on his throwing mechanics. I think Chris Collinsworth had a great breakdown on, I believe it was a Sunday night football, in how they've kind of broken down like his throwing mechanics and making sure that he gets his hips open and stepping through his throws and getting the right velocity on some of his passes. Because in 2019, I mean, he, he was bad. I mean, the whole offense was really kind of suffering behind it. I mean, they were 24th in neutral passing rate, 27th in offensive yards per drive. I mean, and 27th in red zone passing rate. I mean, this was a team, like, by and large that, I mean, unless you were playing Josh Allen, and that was mostly because of his legs, I mean, you weren't getting much fantasy production. I mean, I remember, what was it, the Thanksgiving game when, like, Cole Beasley went off against the the Houston Texans. I mean, you might get those one-offs every now and again, but it was mostly just due to Josh Allen's production. 
I mean, he was, I think, second, first or second in rushing attempts, like four quarterbacks, like overall inside the 20. I think he was ahead of Lamar in rushing attempts, but Lamar had him in touchdowns. I mean, he was producing, he was giving us that hashtag Konami code that we want from a fantasy football quarterback. But still, like, we, we couldn't expect him to duplicate that just given the number of, I think he had 14 fumbles, like, last season. I think he only lost, like, four of them. But it was just that constant roller coaster that you would get when you played Josh Allen. And then from week one this season, it's just been a complete 180 reverse. I mean, they're now top 10 in almost every single metric that you would want from an offense. I mean, they're third in neutral passing rate, fourth in offensive yards per drive, seventh, uh, and Josh Allen's now seventh in on-target uh, and on-target percentage for his throws. I mean, this is the same guy that we were thinking that, despite the fact that he had a cannon for an arm, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, whether it was five feet in front of him or 500 yards in front of him. It didn't matter. So I, I give a lot of credit, and I will definitely take the L on the fact that, I mean, I, I still drafted him like quite a bit like in best ball leagues because I didn't want to have to be the one to find out when to start him and when those blow-up weeks would happen. But from a season-long standpoint, I didn't want to have to, you know, start him one week, watch him like flail against uh, or like a tough defense. Like if you had told me that he was going to come up against the the Pittsburgh Steelers defense on a, on a, in a prime time game and then still wind up with a top twelve fantasy performance, I would have told you you were nuts. I would have <laughs> I would have bet against you and wound up losing all of my money. But now, I mean, this is this is now a team that, like, on the season, he's now fifth. Uh, I think he's fifth in uh, EPA per play, and also fifth in uh, in uh, in completion percentage over expected. I mean, that's amongst like all quarterbacks. I mean, he's now competing with the the Aaron Rodgers, the Patrick Mahomes, the Russell Wilsons of the league. And this was a guy that we were essentially, from a real football perspective, he was subjectively being laughed out of the league. So, I mean, this is, I think, a a very, I mean, from a um, from a football development perspective, I mean, the the award for comeback player of the year has already been locked up. I mean, six, since Alex Smith took like one step like onto the football field, that mm-hmm. award has been locked up. But if we didn't have that to contend with, I mean, I would look at Josh Allen as being like a legitimate comeback player of the year because of kind of where we left him at at the end of 2019, where we left the entire Bills offense at at the end of the season, where even with Tom Brady leaving the Patriots uh, and then Cam Newton kind of sliding into the to the quarterback position like we we were still giving the Patriots odds for being the con- like playoff contenders, Super Bowl contenders still just because they were the Patriots. But now, I mean the Bills have essentially locked up their division. I mean, we're while they're not talking about we're already talking about them having an extended uh, playoff run just given the uh, the division. I mean, it's going to wind up I can I can definitely see it being a Bills versus uh, Chiefs for the AFC. And uh, again, if we had talked about this a year ago, I would have told you that's that's not possible. So at least from 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 my standpoint, and again, objectively looking at like where Josh Allen was literally a year ago from today and where he's at right now, I mean, you, you have to give him credit for improving as a as a passer for the Bills, uh, for the Bills court, like the offensive coordinator, the head coach in seeing and believing in Josh Allen and wanting to work with him instead of masking his deficiencies. They wanted to work with him. And now, I mean, especially, and we haven't even talked about them adding Stefan Diggs into the lineup, which has been a huge boost like for, for their team in terms of being able to separate, route running. I mean, he's one of the best receivers in the league. We don't really, really need to spend a ton of time on him. But still, I mean, just what that entire offense has done and what the entire team has done 
in order to put them in this position now to, again, I think they're legit Super Bowl contenders for, for 2020. And I think a lot of it comes on Josh Allen's arm. I have mm-hmm. to agree with that. I mean, I had just blown my own mind away a few days ago looking up Josh Allen's completion percentage. And I couldn't believe that. He was sitting there at a 70% basically completion percentage. And this is the same guy, you know, last year sitting at about 58% right around that yeah. realm. And it's, you know, you, you of course, yeah, like you said, you got to talk about the fact that Stefan Diggs is there. But, yeah, mm-hmm. the fact that he's doing this without John Brown there for these weeks too, it is impressive that he's – still doesn't really have the whole gang together and what's going to happen now that everybody is back there. Oh man. But you were definitely in good company and not being all aboard the Josh Allen train. I have to say that myself included. Yeah. And it's just amazing. Um, how having Stefan Diggs there is really just transform that offense, man. I did not expect that. That was one player I was really fading uh, along with a lot of people, I think going into this, upcoming or this season here and yeah he is that whole team i'm a believer of that whole team now man that is they have mm-hmm. something they have something special going on there and it, it's fun to see for sure for sure now you know it's not fun to see if i can segue right into mine here dustin i you know i i chuckled when when i saw your player on here jake um i just, did too it's just because <laughs> we have talked about this player so much over the last couple of years. Um, so it just makes me chuckle that he's back on the show sheet once again. So Jake, let us know who you're talking about here. We couldn't have this segment <laughs> if I didn't bring up this person. So he is the 2018 sleeper breakout projection. He is the 2019 Drinking buddy. He is the 2019 beer bet against Dustin. Who would perform better, him or Sammy Watkins? Yeah, that's also a gross name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, this player performed better, but he was still wide receiver 34 at the end of last year. Coming from the Jets, it is Robbie Anderson, who, by all accounts, you have to say, if nothing else, has put together a solid fantasy season here. He's sitting at wide receiver 14. Uh, It doesn't always feel like he's wide receiver 14 still, so I'll give people that. But just looking at where I left him when I did fully boot him out of my fantasy car, as it were, alongside the the desert stretch of road, uh, he, he has shown with a new offense, which I was concerned about, that he can be actually somewhat consistent as long as he's consistently involved and consistently targeted, which he has been, shockingly, this year. He can be consistent. Yeah, he his touchdowns are not what you want. He's had two this year, one in week one, one in week 12. That's a pretty big gap. But even without touchdowns, he is putting together uh, a nice bit of success. There's been some lulls, but he's only had three games with fewer than eight targets on the season, which is shocking comparing what his situation was with the Jets, who it didn't seem could ever really utilize him until the fantasy playoffs came around. He kind of had that Derrick Henry thing going where he was only really for like the one year that that happened with Derrick Henry, where he was only relevant (laughs) for the fantasy playoffs. Seven, two years in a row with Robbie. And, uh, you know, getting a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater, I also didn't expect him to open up Robbie Anderson 
um, as a quarterback who was perceived, at least by me, to be kind of a safe dink and dunk guy, uh, looking at what he did with with Minnesota. It's it's honestly been impressive, and it's sad <laughs> because, yeah, there was no way in hell I was going to have a single team that featured Robbie Anderson on it this year just yeah. based off how often and how deeply he's hurt me in the past. Um, but that is – that's on me. That's not on you, Robbie, because you have looked – uh, fantastic here this year. Well, he got out from the uh, the shadow of Adam Gaze, so that's why he's performing well. We've seen it, multiple players. We just know that's going to be a thing. So I, I take it that's the reason why. Also, it is a much better situation, let's be honest. <laughs> that's true. It's just that I still go back to the, the summertime. I was remember I had a, a number of conversations with um, like Sigmund Bloom and like a couple other folks uh, just regarding what that Carolina offense was going to look like, like once he got added, because if you looked at, uh, I mean, and, there, and again, I, I still stand on this idea that if you had told me again that at the end of this season, Robbie Anderson would be essentially the team's wide receiver one, whereas uh, Curtis Samuel, he still gets to play that you know wide receiver gadget role because he's that uh, he's a converted running back out of Ohio State. And but then it's DJ Moore is the one we're kind of looking at as like, where does he fit within this offense? Again, if you had bet me that I would have lost all my money because if you looked at how he was used in uh, in New York, I mean, he had an A dot of uh, 15, I believe, like when he was still in New York. So once he comes over to Carolina, I'm sitting here thinking, well, the way he's been traditionally used and what Teddy does well, I mean, that that doesn't click. But what Teddy does well in terms of being working within the short and intermediate areas of the field and what DJ Moore did well over the past two seasons prior to with Cam Newton, that fits. So that, that, that's a match made in heaven. So give just give me all the DJ Moore. But they flipped. I mean, DJ Moore's dot, like he went from, I believe, like a 9.2 or something like that in 2019. And now it's like it's 13. And now it's Robbie Anderson that drops from a 15.0 A dot, I think, down to around like nine or something, nine and some change. So it's like their usage, their route tree, I mean, their slot rates. I mean, all of that stuff is completely flipped to being, I mean, to favoring Robbie Anderson, where it's just, again, from a talent perspective, I would have said DJ Moore, wide receiver one, lock it in. Let's just go ahead and draft DJ Moore in the third round and we'll just be done with it. And then just we'll figure out Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson afterwards, and just, I I did not see this coming. I mean, there's just, for me, I'm hard-pressed to believe that there were signs that we could have seen this coming, just a complete switch and role reversal. And But now that we know, and we know that Robbie Anderson, but I guess it goes back to that thing where if you know the receiver is talented, you'll know that coaches can find a way to use them. And just like you said, Dustin, I mean, Adam Gase, I mean, we, we can already, we, I mean, we know that he doesn't know how to use his own players. <laughs> I mean, after after Frank Gore got concussed and then we saw the backup running backs come in and almost get like 100 yards apiece uh, afterwards. I mean, that's that I mean, that just goes to show you like how little Adam Gase knows about uh, just scouting out his own players. But <laughs> I mean, Robbie Anderson, I mean, it's just another like another player on the long list of guys that we see them bounce back and we see them become like more used like on their on their teams after leaving Adam Gase. And I mean, with Robbie Anderson as talented as we knew he could be, you fit him with an uh, with the offensive-minded staff in Matt Rule and Jill Brady. I mean, it's just it's a match made in heaven. It had to have been a match made in heaven for them. I mean, considering they already had the connection 
uh, with Robbie Anderson, like from uh, back from college. Mm-hmm. So it's just all, all that remember, was there. I remember talking about that connection and just thinking, oh, this is one of those that's going to be so overblown. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those, you know, it's a narrative that doesn't really hold any weight. And, and yeah. we want to believe that more than anything. And that's like, well, maybe that actually did come yeah. true. It's really <laughs> shocking. And the other kind of shocking thing is, wait, does this mean that maybe this is how this team preferred to utilize DJ Moore all this time? And maybe Curtis Samuel wasn't as good as Robbie in the situations that he is now to where they felt comfortable doing that? Or are they just, you know, do they perceive Robbie Anderson to be so much more talented all around? It almost begs more questions than answers, kind of like you were saying before. You know, you couldn't predict this because so many things flip-flopped and it's mm-hmm. bizarre. It's bizarre. But now going into next year, I'm not going to be able to uh, discount Robbie Anderson. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that'll be really interesting to see how their ADPs kind of shake out like in redraft and best ball over the offseason. Because I'm assuming Robbie Anderson will be the the wide receiver one, quote unquote, in terms of ADP. But like then where do you take the other two? I would think they'd almost come like like almost right in order, like uh, like almost maybe uh, let's say Robbie Anderson in the fourth maybe DJ Moore in the fifth and then Curtis Samuel in the sixth, they'd almost go like one right after the other. I would, mm-hmm. I would think just given their usage and we haven't even talked about how CMC is going to fit back into the offense in 2021, but man, it's going to be hard to kind of suss out which one of those guys do you want on your team uh, from a, uh, from a start sit perspective. And man, at sitting right, like right now, I have no idea how I'm going to approach it next year. Same. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And didn't they, uh, from my memory serves me correct, didn't they sign Robbie Anderson like right away once free agency started? It was re- like very soon afterwards because yeah. I, because re- I think it was about the same time that uh, they got Teddy and Robbie. I want to say within like a few weeks, if I'm not mistaken, because I wrote a piece on uh, Teddy Bridgewater's impact uh, going to Carolina. For four for four back in I want to say April and May and by that time they had already signed Robbie and uh, so I, I want to say it was like fairly close close together when they got the two mm-hmm. so yeah. it looks like I mean to me I would guess that uh, Matt Rule kind of came in with a plan to to pick I mean to get those guys mm-hmm. and it was just like here these these guys like I I know what they can do I know that they're playmakers I know that they can fit inside of my offensive scheme. So let's, you know, let's start, you know, adding some of those pieces and making sure that we can do that in order to, I guess, execute like this plan that I kind of have. And for the most part, I think it's been okay. But again, if you look at the the division that they play in, the offenses that they, that they have to play, you know, twice a season. I mean, if you're, if you're going up against, I mean, the Saints, uh, uh, Saints, the Bucks, and then Atlanta, if they were good, I mean, twice a season, I mean, right. you would, you would expect to have a rough time anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. My player that I am I am forgiving, I'm squashing the beef with, mm-hmm. is Corey Davis. And I feel like there's probably a lot of people on this boat with me, uh, and that's fine. Uh, I'll admit, I, I have, was never a big fan of his coming out of college, um, and, and he kind of bared that out over his first few years. Uh, but the thing with Corey Davis, he's done really well this year, uh, currently sitting at um, wide receiver 29 in PPR, which I think is leaps and bounds above what anybody expected going into this season. And, and the thing with Corey Davis is basically all the metrics across the board have been improving every single year he's been in the league. His 
yards per target, his catch percentage, uh, you know, yards on the season. He's matches um, season total for touchdowns uh, already. Um, his yards from scrimmage. I mean, basically every every metric you want to look at, uh, he he's been improving every single year, and we really saw the turnaround last year when Tannehill took over. Uh, surprise, surprise! You get a competent quarterback on your team, and 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 you know I and and I know Jake and I have talked about this as well. Is that maybe he isn't meant to be the alpha wide receiver one on the team? Maybe this is his role as just a solid wide receiver two. And let AJ Brown take all the you know hardcore coverage since he is a beast of a man, and then Corey Davis comes in with that you know second cornerback on the team or the slot cornerback, and let him do his work there. And I think this is what we can expect from him moving forward as long you know Tannehill's on the team uh, for the next few years. AJ Brown still in his rookie contract. I would expect the Titans to resign him. Obviously, we don't know if that's going to happen yet. Um, but yeah, I, I think what we're seeing this year is probably what we can expect moving forward from Corey Davis. And I don't, I'm starting to even reconsider if, you know, because we had said that, like, yeah, maybe he's just a good number two, kind of like how Juju was. Not the same player, obviously, but like mm-hmm. Juju, maybe he doesn't need to be the top guy and he can be just as relevant. And it's almost like it's gotten to the point now where I'm thinking, like, from a fantasy perspective, Corey Davis could end up being a actual wide receiver, too, for you in fantasy next year. Obviously, it's going to depend a lot on what happens with his actual situation, if he sticks around, uh, if he does end up getting moved. But um, supposing that he stays with the Titans, it's like I don't think he'll ever be drafted like that. But you almost have to say that he falls in that range because he is falling in that range right now. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, and I mean, if you look back at, uh, so I had to look it up real quick just to make sure who else was in his class, but that that 2017 class, I always kind of thought that he was overdrafted, but then if you look at the rest of the guys that was in his class, I mean, you can't really pick out too many other like wide receiver ones, at least looking at uh, kind of where they're at today. I mean, yeah, Kenny Galladay was still a part of that class. Um, Chris Godwin was a part of that class. I mean, but other than that, you're looking at what, Taewon Taylor, Cooper Cup, Juju Smith-Schuster, Curtis Samuel, Zay Jones, John Ross. Uh, Mike Williams. So, I mean, there are a lot of names in there that are good, like ancillary pieces, but in terms of actual like alphas, like in that class, I mean, Corey Davis would obviously stick out just based off of like his, his athletic traits. I mean, size, Mm -hmm. speed, like that sort of thing. So I understand like why he was overdrafted based off, based on when he came out. I think if he had gone maybe a year earlier or a year later, we might have actually been able to properly value him. But I mean, he always, I think he always should have been posted next to a, an alpha, like on that team. I don't think he can function like on his own. And I think with AJ Brown, like being a part of that offense, I'm hoping that he winds up working out a deal and staying in Tennessee because I think he's mm-hmm. perfect for that offense. Like being able to work as like either uh, on the perimeter, but especially as a big slot. I mean, I think that's, that's the absolute like prime role like for him to, to work as. And I think we're seeing that come to fruition with him being able to, I mean, essentially match. Uh, match AJ Brown in targets, touches, like that sort of thing. But it's just really just the touchdowns that it comes down to, which is the thing we want the most in fantasy anyway. But still, from a production standpoint, I think Corey Davis is definitely a value right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you agree with me. That makes me feel yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you guys have any other players you want to squash beefs with, or should we move on to our starts and uh, busts of the week? 
feel like we've we've squashed some good beef. Yeah. You know, the 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 beef is is thin for the most part. You know, it's it's like we squashed some Kobe beef too. I feel like we did really good uh really good cuts, if you will. I'm going to stop talking in beef puns because I think everybody including the two of you would appreciate this. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I was sure. just going to wait to see how many more you could come up with on the fly. <laughs> that was going to be it. That All was right. going to be the absolute uh, maximum. Fair enough. All right, so starts of the week here. Chris, hit us. All right, so again, because I do the quarterback streaming column, it's just easy for me to just kind of think of things in terms of the passing game, which, I mean, most like most productions connect to the quarterback anyway. But for this week, I mean, Phillip Rivers going against the Texans. I mean, we just saw, I mean, the Texans had no answer for Mitchell Trubisky. In the year of our Lord 2020, <laughs> a defense not having an answer for Mitchell freaking Trubisky uh. I mean, it's just that's that's a next level sentence that I just had to utter out loud twice. <laughs> and so now Philip Rivers, who has now been hot for uh, for four straight games, I believe his floor has been somewhere around 17, 18 points, which I mean, depending on scoring in that week could fluctuate any, anywhere from quarterback like 10 to 12 to quarterback 16. But at least he's providing enough pr- pr- uh, production in order to get you by uh, from a passing standpoint. T.Y. Hilton has now gone off in back to back weeks. So now we're seeing more production out of him. Jonathan Taylor, we just saw him with that monstrous uh, two-touchdown performance. So the running game is also taking off. So from a yards-per-drive perspective, I want to say uh, Colts are at least top 10, if not top 5. I think they're averaging somewhere around somewhere between 30 and 40, uh, 40 yards per drive over the past four weeks. So, I mean, with the Texans out, I mean, Bradley Roby's out. I mean, their pass rush, I mean, Whitney Merciless is doing absolutely nothing uh, as a pass rusher. It's really just J.J. Watt or nothing. So, I mean, just just give me Phillip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton against the Texans secondary all day long. So I think he's the, the best start of this week. Yeah, I like I it. it. Yeah, Jake, this, who do you have? I also just want to say that this will uh, avenge me. If Philip Rivers does this oh, week, for your beer bet I, last, that's right. Yeah, yeah. avenge me from the beer bet. I, I feel like I'll take some solace in this when this when this eventually pans out because it just has to. <laughs> because you, it's just, you meant to say the beer the beer bet was for this week, not last week, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. But I don't want to be that guy who falls into technicality, so I'll no. let him pretend that he won. Just exactly to, See, to soothe his soul because I'm so nice. Oh. Uh, my start of the week this week. Ridiculous. My start of the week is Mike Davis. I am still, I'm on this track and I'm going to be on this track until it's shifted and nobody shifted it for me. It's start your running back against Green Bay because any warm body um, going against them for right now, especially if they're an even okay pass catcher, has done just fine uh, against, against the Packers. Um, one weird exception was Miles Sanders a couple of weeks ago, and even he had a fine day, but that was a uh, pre-breakout here from this past week for Miles Sanders. Um, but yeah, I think Mike Davis, because CMC is is already not going to play, so sorry to everybody who was hoping to get him back for your late stretch playoff run. That unfortunately is not going to happen, so you got to figure he's just out for the, the season at this point. Um, but Mike Davis, very capable, and... That's all you need to be against this defense right now is, is to be capable. And he, he is getting targets and he is getting touchdowns for you. And really, at this point, you can't even be that picky um, if there's a capable running back that's available for you. And easily for me right now, he is high end RB2 going against them. 
Um, because it's just it's just great. That matchup, unfortunately, is just too great um, to ever sit somebody against him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And my start of the week, uh, Chris, you mentioned this earlier in the episode, but it's Brandon Ayuk uh, going against Dallas. Uh, their defense is just terrible. Uh, second half of the season, the Cowboys are ranked 23rd uh, against the pass, so really bad. Uh, and with Debo probably missing this week, and George Kittle still out. They got to throw to someone, and it's going to be Ayuk. And let's be honest, this guy's been on fire the last five or six weeks of the season, uh, just producing out of his freaking mind. So uh, no reason that does not continue this week against a bad Dallas off or defense, I should say. Just going to throw that out there to kind of uh, to add to that Brandon Ayuk call. I mean, listen to some of these receivers that compare well to Brandon Ayuk and some of their production like over the past few weeks. So let's see, Adam Thielen, uh, week 11, 11, 123, and 2. Uh, let's see, Calvin Ridley, this was early in the season, 9 for 109 and 2. Robert Woods, 8 for 105 and 0. Tyler Lockett went for 13, 100 and 3 against him. Even Juju Smith-Schuster was 7 seven for 93 and 1 against them. I mean, these are the types of receivers that have been going off, and we know where Brandon Ayuk plays within that offense. So, I mean, this to me, it feels like it's too much of a slam dunk. I'm probably jinxing it at this point. But again, I'll just say, <laughs> Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver 1. No, I love I it. Love it. Okay. okay, Chris, hit us with your bust of the week. Uh, so back to quarterbacks. Uh, my bust of the week is uh, Matt Ryan. I mean, it's it more or less hinges on whether or not Julio Jones is going to play. But even if he's uh, like, let's say, less than fifty percent or doesn't play his full complement of snaps, I mean, we've seen just Matt Ryan completely flounder in those types of situations. Uh, like when uh, when Julio Jones has been out or when he's played less than 50% of the snaps, Matt Ryan has thrown, I believe, five interceptions, just three touchdowns in those games. And I, be- I believe that's a f- over a five-game sample because I believe like Julio Jones has missed three games this season and been unhealthy or missed time in two of them. So, I mean, with the Bucks having like one of the, uh, the their top five in pressure rate like in the league right now, their secondary is still bad. Like they still can be beaten in the secondary. But we just saw Kirk Cousins, I mean, with their uh, porous offensive line, have some issues against them this past week. So if Julio Jones sits or if we don't really see him get to uh, even a full practice or we just see like the, the limited practices, but the team is saying that he's good to go and he should be ready to play on Sunday, um, I, I still can't trust Matt Ryan, especially here in week 15 after what just happened. And uh, Calvin Ridley, I believe he left that game. Uh, I think he returned to the game, but he was still shaken up and grabbed that same ankle that's been bothering him for weeks. And Todd Gurley hasn't been giving us like any production for, let's say, since like week six or so. I mean, so with that whole offense like pretty much ailing, uh, I, 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 can't, I can't bring it in myself to start Matt Ryan this week. I would rather start like Philip Rivers or like anybody that's on like on the waiver wire at this point. Yeah, which is sad. I mean, because yeah. he, he's, he's been, I know he's had his up and down seasons, but really you could at least count on him to, to put up a semi-decent week. He usually didn't bust too often, uh, and this season has just been awful. Just awful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this was a passing game that we were excited to see. I mean, they were featuring, I mean, two top-tier wide receivers in Julio and Calvin Ridley. The addition of Hayden Hurst, like while I thought they might have overpaid for Hurst, I still thought that that was going to be a good call for them and like a good addition considering that, we, uh, let's see, they just had, um, who was it, Austin Hooper. He went from the Falcons over to the Browns. 
So, I mean, I, I thought I thought that that, that offense was going to continue to cook. I mean, especially they also ended uh, 2019, I think it was like top five, top six in neutral passing rate. So it's just like all signs pointed to them having a productive season. It's just completely gone off the rails. Mm-hmm. It makes me so sad. He was one of my my favorite guys coming into this year. But yeah, yeah it's unfortunate. <laughs> now, I had in my spot as as my bust. Uh, I had Mike Kosicki just on the off chance in case he did end up playing. I wanted to still uh, temper some folks' expectations because you just saw a, a massive game from him this past week, and he looked great. And Dustin, I have to give it to you. You've been in all in on Gesicki, um this whole time. Uh, I was not a believer. He made a believer around me last week. But going against uh, New England this week, I was not going to um, be, be a fan. So... <laughs> um, I'm going to pivot, however, this week uh, to the entire backfield that is playing Pittsburgh. So any Cincinnati <laughs> running back that decides to start this week, whoever it is, if Gio Bernard suits up, sit Gio Bernard. Or or maybe you can't sit him, but don't expect the world from Gio Bernard. If Travion Williams somehow gets the call up because it seems like we could be trending that way right now, I know it's exciting because it's a new piece that you're able to pick up off the waiver wire and you get a starting running back, but do not expect him to come in and crush against Pittsburgh. That doesn't happen. They are tops against opposing running backs. We just saw what they did to um, Buffalo this past week. I'm not saying that, obviously, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are world-beating running backs, but they got stymied, and that's what happens to every running back. That steps in against Pittsburgh. Some of these stats where you say, oh, they're the absolute best against such and such position. They can be inflated um, because of what their strength of schedule looked like and all that. That's not the case for Pittsburgh. They are second toughest, and that's for a reason. So watch out. All right. And then my bust of the week this week is Alvin Kamara going against the Kansas City Chiefs. Over the last month, the Chiefs have been inside the top 10 Uh, against running backs and I just don't like how this backfield has been shaking out since Taysom Hill has uh, taken hold uh, of of the starting quarterback role and um, we saw Latavius Murray's been getting more run Um, so I'm not quite sure uh, why that's all happening why they aren't uh, uh, using their best running back but uh, against a, a KC defense that has really been stepping it up here late in the season, um, I think he um, definitely um, should not. You should not have high expectations going into this week. It took how many weeks of Taysom starting for Alvin Kamara to start having like a significant target share in that offense? It was just this past week I saw. I thought mm-hmm, when he had yeah. more than five targets. Yep. So it's just it's it's difficult. It is very difficult to trust him this week. Mm-hmm. Feels yep. gross, honestly. It does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> now, real quick, before we transition, we are going to throw down a beer bet here. And Chris, you can you can wait to see what the beer bet is here before you. I'll actually wait and see. Time. I mean, I'm Fly. a gambling man, so I'll probably hop in. But still. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Last week's guest, Chase Vernon, also lost. He was on my side, and he said he wanted to pop in here. To pay his due respects to Dustin, does he happen to be sitting in backstage right now? No, he popped on for a hot second and then uh, jumped off. So I don't know uh, what's happening there. He probably just well, doesn't want I'm, to admit I'm how going to awesome pass I am. Along his, <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass along his good words for you. 
that right. he wanted to do the shot in your honor. I hope that wherever he is right now, nope. he's doing the shot. <gasps> Here he, there is. he is. Speak of the devil. Look at him. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> Look at him. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Chase, I believe you have something that you, you want to say and do for our host here. Oh, liars. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, <laughs> Dusty, man. We did, we did a bet last week. And I doubted your side of the bet tremendously. Like, I just, I didn't take you seriously. I thought you were a joke. And. Obviously, I, I am the joke, not you, not you, my friend. I am the joke. Went against my, my brand. Went against my family, man. And <laughs> the reality is, is you're way smarter than I am at, at you know fantasy football. You're better. And if I ever saw you, I'd get it on my knees in a heartbeat. So cheers. <laughs> wow. Uh, thank you for Regardless that. Regardless of the <laughs> situation. Well done. <laughs> well, that's that's in here forever that's right yeah. chase you're a man of your word uh. and i appreciate that <laughs> and i appreciate you you know falling on the sword with me here yeah sorry i couldn't make it earlier it's a little bit early for, for my take i have to in order to swallow my pride it takes me a little bit longer <laughs> well you got to the point that we needed you to get to and i think that's what's important here <laughs> Real quick, can I can I just let everybody know that Chris is coming on with us? He's putting his holidays aside and coming on with us on the twenty third, right? Yeah, let's do it, man. Yeah, I'm really Wednesday. looking forward to it. I feel Not- like you just got entrapped live on our <laughs> podcast. No, no, another podcast. We had, we had talked. What was it last week? I think yeah, it was last, last week of the week. Yeah, so we we'd already talked. So I'm not getting like you know pressured into doing it. <laughs> where I'd be like, no, man, you know I got to check my schedule. You know, let me make yeah. sure you know the holidays. You know, but no, we're, we're trust me. Do. There's always a hotel room you can bail to to make sure that you can avoid <laughs> yeah. doing this. Blink twice if you don't actually want to do it. <laughs> they're not drink but no yes please check him out on uh chase's podcast of course not this wednesday the, but the next wednesday this next this wednesday, wednesday we just have somebody named scott fish that's no big deal oh, oh yeah oh, I, gotta, I gotta i gotta follow up fish oh, come on man <laughs> what is this this man and i love this podcast i every chance i get i'll rewatch it even if i miss the live feed i'll rewatch it every time man you guys are so much fun like i enjoy this this podcast more than any other for real oh thank you Appreciate for that you, thanks. so thank much you. love i love it Thank you for mm-hmm. coming on. And thank you for demonstrating for Chris what can happen if he chooses the wrong side of this beer back coming up. So oh, man. It's a PSA <laughs> as well as a how do you do. So thank you, Chase. <laughs> now, speaking of, Dustin, are you ready? I have a proposal this week. Okay. That'll be good. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. So now we always... And Chase, if you want to get back on this just to do it, you're more than welcome to because you've already paid your dues here. So... Uh, now, Chris, what we do is we do pick a single matchup from the week, and we go mm-hmm. head-to-head positionally. Okay, so we pick a game, and then we pick a position, and we okay. put those two against each other, and we'll see who comes out. Now, so last week, of course, it was Philip Rivers versus Derek Carr. Yeah. This week, I'm going NFC North divisionally right. here. I want to know whether it's Justin Jefferson or it's Allen Robinson that ends up with the best day. Chicago, Minnesota play each other Sunday at noon. Dustin, as the host and as the recipient here, who would you like out of that group? Oof. I 
can't go against Justin Jefferson. Kid's been on fire. That's fair. You're locking it in for Justin? That's right. The Dustin-Justin connection is happening for this week's beer bet. I like how it. Long, how long have you been waiting to say that? Come on now. And forever. All right. <laughs> Finally got to break it out. Three weeks ago. Yeah. That one's been in drafts for weeks. Just been waiting to throw it out there. It really has. I can finally delete it. Whew, that's a load <laughs> off of my mind. So I will then be absorbing the Allen Robinson side of that, which I'm fine with, honestly. I honestly do feel like matchup-wise, I I can see either side of this pretty easily. Um, I probably would have preferred Justin Jefferson, but I will take Allen Robinson. Chris, are you feeling a side of this particularly? Uh, not particularly, uh, but I will say that I have been a fan of Allen Robinson for years. So while I've been like practicing my gritty dance for the past like few weeks, I would still have to go with Allen Robinson like in this matchup for sure. I like it. Or is this a bad <laughs> omen because people who side with me tend to not do very well? <laughs> you, tell me, you tell me this now? <laughs> I mean, you just saw it with Chase. Chase side with me. Uh, yeah, I really want to know what happened with that because I definitely wrote the show notes. I had Derek Carr. We did. I verified You wrote Derek Carr's name on the show notes, and then you even were going to say Derek Carr's at the beginning of it, and then you somehow reversed course during the middle of it. I think Dude. I convinced you uh, to side with Philip Rivers, and then you went all in on Philip Rivers. Are you willing to double down this week now after you just paid off from last week, Chase? Oh, no. Oh, hell. Like, okay. wait. Okay. Yes, I have. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> Who are we talking about? Are you, are you wanting witchcraft? Put on Since you're in here, do you want a part of this bet of Allen Robinson versus Justin Jefferson? Yeah, I'm taking the Allen Robinson side. <sighs> That's a three to one. That's a three to one, Dustin. Smart you man. are either going to be so, so happy. Uh, and your pants are going to be the tightest they've ever been when all three of us have to bow down to you next week. Or you're going to be hurting. Oh, my God. Well, this is going to work out, fellas. I, I, trust me, it's going to work out. <laughs> Chris, I appreciate your confidence on this because I, well, that's, I need it's it. Three against one. How could I, you know, how could I not feel this confidence? That's true. That's yeah. true. Dustin's going to be the Jake literally hypnotized us to pick. <laughs> I still have no idea how I picked Philip Rivers last week. Like, I'm sitting here going through my stats. Like, I literally threw all my sheets and everything. I have Derek Carr. Like, fuck. Phil Rivers in every single place I possibly could. I'm, I'm searching on my phone. I'm like going through my notes on my phone. I'm like, I have Derek Carr above Phil Rivers. And then they send me like this thing, you know, say, or Dustin gets real serious. He goes, Chase, come on. You picked Rivers. Yep. And I'm like, okay, Dustin's going to go that flat and not even make a joke about it. I must have picked Rivers. And I'm really excited about it. He wanted that extra payoff. And That's so, right. Uh, I, but I'm with Chris this week just in sheer confidence level. I think that yes. the Allen Robinson side is going to prevail here. He's going Honestly, to. from a true matchup standpoint, I could care less because I want that game to end in a tie so that neither <laughs> of them get to win. Uh, but uh, I do have Allen Robinson on quite a few rosters, so that would be nice on two levels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, we will see come Sunday um, who is the better uh, prognosticator here. So... Until then, I think that's about the end of our show. Wait, 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 wait. I get an invite for you guys. So, of course, I came on here and I had to invite Chris or re-invite Chris or make sure these down, I should say, on the 23rd. And we have Sal along with Nate Hamilton and Ray GQ on the 28th. And we want you guys to follow. 
for the first episode of 2021. We want Ooh. you guys to come on with Mike, myself, and Cooter Doodle. The That's inaugural the 2021 episode when everything is going to be magically better because That's right. the calendar year turns over. <laughs> yeah, I think we would be foolish to say no, Dustin. What do you think? I am so on board with this. Well, we were afraid of, like, you know, you guys would probably or any podcast would ever hesitate to invite both Mike and I onto their podcast. It would, <laughs> it would just be a, an absolute nightmare for most places. So we figured we'd invite you guys on and we could just all have fun. Yeah, absolutely. Totally down. I'm on board. Lock us in. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, now that we've all basically sung Kumbaya together, uh, do you want to take us out here, Dustin? Yes. Um, Chris, why don't you tell everyone one more time where people can find you out there before we sign off? If you want to come laugh at me for the Alan Robinson call or any of my other takes tonight, uh, come find me on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. Um, if you don't want to yell at me for that, you can check out all my writing and then come yell at me. Uh, you can catch all my writing over at 444, a number fire, and then also at Rotowall. Chase, how about you? Where can we find you? It, honestly, like, this isn't my show. This is all about Chris, man. You guys need to go check him out. Like, this is hands down. Chris is, is one of the people I look up to in the fantasy community, and I cannot wait to have him on the show on the 23rd. But Seriously, oh, you guys don't need to follow me. Just just go follow him. Oh, such a gentleman. Jake, where can people find you? Are you people, looking at me? People can find I'm always <laughs> looking at you. People can find me at Jake Trowbridge on Twitter. Uh, all right. And you can find our podcast at Drinking Fantasy on Twitter, and you can find me at FF Dusty Dog. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. Peace.